Welcome back to our series, Culture Shift. We've been talking, we started last weekend, Pastor Bubba was here with us. We started talking <clears throat> through the book of Daniel, and we're talking about a culture shift. And I just want to explain that for a minute. It, 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 a culture shift is when the culture around you starts to change, okay? And you may notice that today we're in a culture shift. Uh, I'll give it to you like this. Back in the day, you used to get credit for being a Christian. Today, you get a demerit, right? I mean, if you tell somebody the truth, you, you get accused of being judgmental, right? What we used to call bad is now being called good, right? If you watch any TV program today, any that I have ever seen, they're pushing a gay agenda, a homosexual agenda. They're trying to get us to compromise and to accept homosexuality. You follow me? But then if you turn around and you speak against that, then you get called a homophobe. You get called these things. You get called all this, a Bible thumper, all these other things. But the reality is, is I love homosexual people. I just don't like homosexuality. But the world, the culture we live in is twisting everything up today. Is that true? You heard last week, Pastor Bubba shared about what happened in Houston. I mean, it happened right here. They have a mayor who's, who's in, the, in the gay lifestyle, and, and she wanted to pass something. And, it, and the, the, the religious leaders in, in Houston rose up and, and didn't allow that to happen. And then all of a sudden, she's wanting to um, subpoena all their sermons. And I thought it was pretty cool what they did. They started flooding her office with sermons. <laughs> He's like, well, she asked for it. Now she's got all this word of God sitting in her office. I was like, come on, that's good. But the culture around us is shifting and it has been shifting for some time. And I believe the book of Daniel is probably one of the best books in the Bible to talk about a culture shift. If you remember the story of Daniel, Pastor Bubba opened it up last week. Daniel and his, his three buddies, his three best friends are just coming out of youth group in Jerusalem sipping on Starbucks coffee and playing basketball. And they see a big dust cloud off in the, in, in the distance and they see something coming and, and Daniel pays attention to it and realizes after a little while that it's, it's not just a windstorm, it's, it's horses. In fact, it's Babylonian horses coming to, to take them captive. And in a moment's time, Daniel went from being a free Young boy, scholars believe he was about 15 years old when he was captured. He was a free young boy, able to serve God and love God with a culture that honored God. And in the, in the blink of an eye, he was taken from that and put into a culture that did not believe in God, that did not honor God. There was a different language. The guys that came to arrest him couldn't even speak his language. Could you imagine coming to, to arrest you and be like being in Mexico and being arrested by a Mexican police officer that can't speak English. A little bit of confusion in the camp. So in an instant, Daniel goes from being free, able to worship God like he wants, able to live freely among God's people, and he gets brought into a culture where the language is different, the things that he used to know that were good and right and honorable and whole and holy are no longer there. 
So he gets captured, him and his three buddies, and, and they believe it was, it was actually three different captivities that took place. Daniel was brought in on the first one because he was young, good-looking, and intelligent. So Daniel gets brought in with the first group of guys and he comes into the king's palace and, and him and his buddies are under this guy named Ashpenaz and he was the overseer of the king's eunuchs. So Ashpenaz is now in charge of David. David don't even know who Ashpenaz is until this day. And all of a sudden, this guy named Ashpenaz is his new boss, Right? Now, let's stop there and talk for a minute about what David lost in that moment. I mean, what Daniel lost in that moment. Daniel lost his freedom in that moment, right? Daniel lost his family in that moment. The Bible says he never returned. He died at the age of 90. He lost his future in that moment. He became, the scholars believe he became a eunuch which is basically you can't marry and you can't have kids. So he lost his future. Any dreams, any any plans that he had for the future was gone. It was stolen from him. And Daniel had a chance to be bitter, wouldn't you say? I mean, if somebody came and ripped you out of your nice, cozy little place and brought you to another country and tried to teach you their ways and turn you into somebody you never wanted to become and they took everything from you, wouldn't you say it was okay to be a little bitter? Maybe a little angry, maybe a little upset. But what we read when we read the Bible or we read the book of Daniel is is that Daniel didn't become bitter. Daniel became better. (laughs) Maybe that didn't land where it was supposed to land. Daniel didn't become bitter at his circumstances around him, at his situation, at the things that he lost and the things that were stolen from his future, his family, all these things. He didn't become bitter. He became better. And it's all up to me. Right? I've got circumstances in my life and situations that I could have become bitter. And let me promise you that the temptation is there. It is right there to become bitter. But I chose to be better. And I want to talk to you for a minute about how you become better. So Daniel became a a eunuch and and he's now being given orders. And and he, he settles his heart in this moment. Could have become bitter, but he settles his heart. And he says, you know what, God? I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my perspective. Uh, Daniel, in that moment, put his trust in God. He put his life in God's hands, and he said, God, I trust you with what's going on here. You see, if you've lived any amount of time, you've gone through something that you've had to be in a moment where you go either, God, I trust you, or maybe you cried, God, please get me out of here. Right? And then when he didn't answer, you became bitter. But Daniel said, God, I trust you. He put his situation, he put his circumstance in God's hands. He put his future in God's hands. And he said, God, I trust you. I don't understand. I don't know what's going to happen next. The future is unclear. But I trust you. Isn't that good? 
What Daniel really did is, and, and like all of us, he, he experienced pain and loss. What Daniel did is he took his pain and he coupled it with prayer, which positioned him for God's promotion. He took his pain and he brought it to prayer, which positioned him for promotion in God. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Some of you are looking at me like that just flew over the cuckoo's nest. You see, sometimes we take our pain and we bring it to other people and we never get anywhere with our pain. Right? We, we post it. We tweet it. We Instagram it. We, we, we talk about it on the phone. We do all these things. We talk to everybody else except the one that can help us. Right? I'm guilty. Why? Because I want to be tatad. I want somebody to feel sorry for me. Daniel took his pain in prayer to God and it positioned him for a promotion in the midst of a different culture, in the midst of a culture shift. It didn't matter what the, when you read the book of Daniel, it didn't matter what the king did or what his cohorts did. They couldn't keep Daniel from praying. You see, to Daniel, praying was a non-negotiable. Praying was more important than life. It's proven in the book of Daniel that him and his buddies, they believed in prayer. Daniel didn't let anybody or anything steal his prayer life. You see, that's important because sometimes when things break loose in your life and all hell breaks loose against you, the first thing you end up losing is your prayer life. Why? Because you're freaking out trying to figure out how to fix your finances. You're crunching numbers. You're doing all these things. Oh, my God. What can, how are we going to do this? You go to somebody else for help. You go, oh, please help me figure this out. And you lose your prayer life. Right? The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, his intentions are for us to go to him first. Come on, somebody. He wants to be first. The Bible says he's a jealous God. In other words, he gets jealous when you go to somebody else before you go to him. Come on. And you'll save yourself and all your friends a lot of heartache if you learn how to go to God first. And if you're a friend in here, say amen. One of the greatest questions I believe you can ask somebody is, have you spoke to God about this? You know, as a pastor, sometimes I got to look at people and say, you know what? Maybe you need to go home and pray. And after you've prayed, then we'll talk. Because sometimes the worst thing I can do for somebody is pray in their place. Come on. They never get in a position where they know how to pray or they learn how to pray or they learn how to cry out to God. I'm sorry, but there wasn't nobody there to bail me out when it was my turn to cry out to God. <laughs> I was doing 90 miles an hour down Highway 90, crying my eyes out, crying out to God. Nobody was praying for me. So you see how Daniel handled the initial shock of his situation and his circumstance. He took it to God. It changed his perspective. And it put him in a position, not just for promotion, but a position where God could use him. You see, because God can't use you when you're freaking out. Come on. You got to get this together. <laughs> the only way to get this together is to bring it to him. Right. right? 
So he can tell you, I love you. No, I'm not mad at you. He can come against with the truth against every lie that the enemy's trying to tell you. That it's your fault. You blew it. You did this. God don't love you. He comes in and he pours his love out on you. And he shows you a, a preferable future. And it changes your perspective. And when you get this under control, God says, all right, let's go. Now you're in here for a reason. I'm going to do something with you, right? Get yourself under control. That's why one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. It's my favorite one. I officially just lied in church. Lord, forgive me. So I believe you can have three responses when the culture shifts around us. The first response is that we can retreat. (laughs) We get crazy. We go Y2K, right, on people. We start trying to buy land in Montana, out in the woods. We buy a 20-foot container, a shipping container. We turn it into a a life vessel. I mean, I got a buddy that made money during Y2K. He took 20-foot ship containers and put an air-conditioned and living quarters in it and was selling them for like (laughs) He was banking. People make money on fear. The first response we can have is to retreat. That's to take off running and say, you know what? I'm not dealing with this culture shift. I'm just gone. The second response we can have is to surrender. This is where we just roll over. We give in and we surrender to the culture. And we say things like this. Well, that's just the way it is. (laughs) You ever heard that before? That's just the way it is. Well, that's just the times right now. I mean, let, let me just get on a soapbox for a second. I heard that, that guys these days are having uh, man showers when their wife's getting ready to have a baby. This is, my, this is my soapbox, okay? This ain't scripture. This is just, I'm just proving the point that that, that ain't just the way it is, okay? So this, this one guy I know, he has, a, he has a man shower, okay? There's just something wrong with the name. I'm not going to a man shower. Come on, somebody. Oh, but we're shooting ski. I don't care. You named it the wrong thing, bro. You want to shoot ski? Let's shoot ski, but let's not take a shower. You see, I just, I'm not good with that. Well, that's just the times we live in. Bull, that ain't the times I live in. The older I get, the more I realize I'm old school. And the more I'm grateful for that. Come on, son, my kids, 16, 17-year-old boys are going to school with a SpongeBob book bag. We used to beat those kids up. It just ain't right. I feel better. Man, I feel better. Wow. But you can't live by that. You can't live by, well, that's just the way it is. Man, that's That's surrender. You know, the crazy thing about Daniel is, is that when Daniel was, was, was taken captive, he had convictions that he didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't waver on. Right? And I think the problem with a lot of people today is nobody has convictions anymore. I'm like, man, are you convicted by, you got any kind of convictions? Now let the little girls go out and, 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 and ride with boys with no chaperones. You, you have a conviction? He's got a conviction. But that's just the times we live in. So we can retreat or we can surrender. 
And the third thing we can respond, or the third way we can respond, and I believe this is the way God wants us to respond, is to engage in love. He wants us to engage this culture shift. He wants us to come at it head first, not being scared, not being shaken, not being surprised. Because if you read your Bible, you know that times are going to get worse. Dear goodness, we shouldn't be surprised that, that the, all these agendas are being pushed and all these things are changing and you're getting ridiculed for being a Christian where you used to be honored for being a Christian. You shouldn't be surprised if you read the book. Right? I believe God wants us to engage in love. He wants us to come head on at this culture, not compromise. Stand firm on what you believe. Daniel is a fantastic example of a high-impact believer in a culture that didn't honor God. Daniel didn't ask to be put in Babylon. He was just put in Babylon. The only right Daniel had was how Daniel handled himself, right? That's the only right he had. So Daniel and his buddies, they come in. They stand before the king. The king's admiring all his new captives, all these young boys that are, some, that are good looking and wise. He says, man, I got me some men now. I got me some wise men. And he's looking at all these guys. And so he tells Ashpenaz, I want you to put them at my table and I want you to feed them my food. You see, the world's going to offer you something. Come on, somebody. And it, let me tell you, it's okay to say no to what the world has to offer. In fact, I would advise you to say no to what the world has to offer. So Daniel and his buddies are going, man, man, I don't feel right about this. Because you see, here's the problem, is that the king's food was food that was sacrificed. It was sacrificial food. And Daniel's religious beliefs, Daniel's relationship with God, the word of God said, do not eat that food. Okay? So Daniel had a conviction. I'm not going to eat that food. So he goes to Ashpenaz. He's not a rebel. He just goes and he asks. He says, hey, listen, uh, can me and my three buddies, can we just eat like vegetables and water? Oh, no, he says, because if, if you get skinny, then the king's going to kill me because you're getting skinny. He says, no, 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 let's just try it for 10 days. He's negotiating because he doesn't want to eat. And so finally, Ashpenaz gives in. And, and so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now their, their new Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not their original names, but their new Babylonian names. They, they now go into a, a broccoli and water diet. Can I get an amen? But there's a miracle that happens. So Ashpenaz concedes. He says, okay, let's go. You can do it. And after 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked better than the rest of the men that ate the king's table. You, this is kind of what my flesh goes. You mean the guy that ate broccoli looks better than the guy that ate ribeye? Or filet mignon? I mean, that's just not true. There's no way. Broccoli can't produce what a steak can produce. Something inside of you just kind of, maybe that ain't right. But the power wasn't in the food. The power was in the God that Daniel served. There wasn't no power in the diet. The power was in God. And here's the crazy thing. And I say it's crazy, but here's the thing. God honored Daniel's commitment. 
God honored Daniel's convictions. You need to get this. He honored Daniel's stand. Daniel said, I am not going to defile my body with the king's food. I'm going to eat vegetables and drink water. And you know what happened? God came in and he honored that. He honored it so much that watch what the Bible says in Daniel 1.20. It says this. I just lost it. There it is. It says, this is what, what the Bible says. The Bible says that they were 10 times better. They didn't just survive the vegetable diet. Come on, somebody. They were 10 times better. That's a miracle of God. God came in and he honored his convictions. He honored his commitment. He honored him making a stand. You see, the scary part about making a stand is that sometimes you believe people aren't going to stand with you. Or maybe you believe that God's not going to stand with you. But let me tell you something that the Bible says, that if you stand for God, God stands for you. Amen. Amen. He stands for you. So you just make a stand and you stay there long enough and you're going to see God. Daniel feared God more than he feared the king. (laughs) Let me encourage you with this. Don't wait till a problem happens to get yourself some convictions. You need to have some convictions long before the problem ever shows up. Because if you wait till there's a problem that arises in front of you to have yourself some convictions, it's too late. You're going to compromise. Right? Daniel went, Daniel went as a captive to Babylon with his convictions. Come on, somebody. Because I've been caught before not having convictions and something springs up in front of me. Let's say a temptation. Before you know it, I've done slipped up, right? You need to have convictions before the problem comes. So watch this. If you take commitment and you add it to convictions, it equals this one powerful word called courage. You remember the Wizard of Oz? Courage. I just need some courage. You need to have courage before. Amen. You need to know who you are. Before the culture shifts around you. Right? I hope the churches in Houston were ready when the mayor subpoenaed their their sermons. I I hope they were ready. The reason we're preaching this series is to get you ready for what's coming. It's not if it's coming. It's already here. The culture around you is already shifting. And let me tell you, it ain't going to get any better. It's going to shift. But what I want you to learn today is what God does when the culture around you shifts. God has a plan. He's not taking surprise. He's not surprised by what's going on today. Are you with me? He was working on the problem long. He was working on the solution long before we realized what the problem was. Right? So let's dig into chapter two. Uh, um, First part is, is a dream forgotten. So Daniel 2, 1 to 2 says this, that now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. 
Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Evidently, he had one of those nights that we all have from time to time, right? Where you have a dream or you have something going on that just takes your sleep from you. So he has this dream that just so moves his life that he can't sleep. So he calls all of his weirdos to come in and to tell him what's going on. And the scholars believe there was at least two to three, maybe more hundred of these guys. Now, if, if you know about the, the Babylonians, they were known in their day for writing books and writing things about how to interpret dreams. They were known as the people that could interpret dreams. So Nebuchadnezzar calls all these guys in. He says, hey, listen, I had this dream. I want you to tell me what the dream was, and then I want you to give me the interpretation. Now, that's a tall order, right? So, that, so one of the guys speaks up and says, man, that's just unfair. I mean, you've got to give us a little bit, right? Kind of like one of those 1-900 psychic numbers. You call them, and they want to know a little bit of information. Remember when you did that? Nobody bit on that one. Praise God. They, want, he want, they wanted a little bit of information so that they could try to interpret it. And the king said, no. You tell me what the dream is and the interpretation. And they basically say, well, we can't do that. That's unfair. He says, oh, really? You can't do that? Well, then I'm going to kill all of you. I'm sorry, but I ought to come up with something. I mean, I'm going to tell you what it is, <laughs> Jack. <laughs> uh, and Daniel hears that his life is now going to be taken from him because nobody can tell the king his dream or the interpretation. And Daniel goes and says, hey, time out, time out. Whoa, put the guns away. Um, can you give me a minute to go and pray to my God and see if I can get the dream and the interpretation? And so it was granted to him. So Daniel does what I think is pretty smart. He goes, finds his closest friends that are prayer warriors also. Remember, he didn't lose his prayer life when he became captive. He hung on to his prayer life, and so did his buddies. You need some folk around you that can pray. (laughs) If you got friends that can't pray, you better teach them how to pray, or you better find you some new friends. Come on, somebody. So Daniel runs to his friends and says, guys, listen, man, this is serious. We got to come up with we got to come up with something, man. We got to pray. We got to ask God what the king's dream was and also the interpretation. So they go into prayer. Pretty simple. If you don't know what to do, ask God. He knows what to do. Right? God speaks to us, I believe, in three different ways. Actually, there's three different types of dreams. I believe God speaks to us in, in probably about seven different ways. The first and primary way he speaks to us is through his Bible. It's through the word of God. And then one of the other ways he speaks to us is through dreams and visions. The Bible says that. It's clear that he'll give us dreams and visions, okay? And so I believe there's three different types of dreams we can have. The first one is a pizza dream. You ever had a pizza dream? That's when you ate too much pizza too late at night and you had this dream that you owned a golf cart company and at the same time you were the president of the United States and you were living in Iraq. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? That's a pizza dream. You wake up from something like that, just keep on going, okay? 
Don't, don't even pay attention. Just me on my, pass me on by. Then I think the, the second type of dream we can have is a psychological dream, and that's where you're working through the day's events. So dreams where you kind of dream about work, you dream about some of the things that's been going on in your life. And then the third type of dream is a God-given dream. And that's a dream where God comes in and he speaks to you in a dream. Now, here's the crazy thing. God speaks to a pagan king through a dream. But he's a pagan. He's, a, he's, a, he's lost. He's not saved. He's a sinner. He's, he's a heathen. He's this. He's... God spoke to him through a dream. And the wild thing is, is God used that dream to tell everyone around them what the future was going to look like. So Daniel comes back from his prayer meeting, (laughs) praying to God for guidance and crying out to God for insight and wisdom. I can imagine the pressure he was under to get a word from God. Right? You ever been in that situation? Lord, I need a word. I just, I need a word. It's either go, no, or woe. So I just go, give me something. You ever been in that position before? Where you just need a word from God. What do you do when you need a word from God? You do whatever it takes to get a word from God, don't you? It's amazing how when there's a life crisis and there's something going on and you need to hear from God, you will shut everything down. <laughs> right? I mean, the whole year before, you ain't shut nothing down for God. You didn't even have a quiet time. But now let something break loose in your life and all of a sudden nothing else is important. Right? You cancel everything to get a word from God. I believe there's two important truths in this part of scripture where it talks about the inability of human power. At this moment, Nebuchadnezzar was the highest, greatest power on the planet. He was the greatest king at that time. He was the most powerful man on earth. But it shows the inability of human power when he can't even interpret his own dream. He doesn't even know what his own dream means. He had all the resources on the earth and couldn't figure out what the dream meant. And then the second thing is the inability of human wisdom. He had the wisest men on the planet surrounding him, a couple hundred of them. And he couldn't figure it out. You see, it's not by human power or by human wisdom, but it's by God's power and God's wisdom. Amen. And this, these are days that we're living in now where we're going to need to know God's power and God's wisdom like never before. You see, you can't make choices today on your own wisdom and in your own strength. You need God's power and God's wisdom. So Daniel comes back to the king in verse 27. And he says, the secret which the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. <laughs> I love this. But there is a God in heaven, Daniel says, who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Daniel takes the opportunity to to remind the king very nicely, all of your astrologers, all of your scientists, all of your soothsayers, nobody else. Remember, we're in this position right now because none of your people could figure out your problem. But there's a God in heaven who knows all the secrets 
and he's got the solution. You see, there's a day coming, I'm telling you, where you're going to have to make a stand at your job site. You got to make a stand in your home. You may need to make a stand at school and say, you know what? Everything that you're trying to do is not working, but there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. Sometimes you need to speak to your own life situation and say, there's a God in heaven, Jamie. Right? Verse 31, a dream explained and interpreted. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's a dream, right? I mean, that's like a dream. I've never had one like that. Statue, gold, silver, bronze, iron, clay. Out of this image comes a stone that was carved without hands. Something important in that. Without hands, the stone comes out and the stone turns around and destroys the whole image. It says it destroys it to such a degree that it all falls in pieces and the pieces are so small that it's like chaff and it's blown away in the wind. Now, you know gold's heavy, right? Iron's heavy, bronze and silver, they're all heavy. It's blown away in the wind. And that stone becomes a great mountain and then fills the whole earth. You see, God knows the future. There's a God in heaven and he knows your future. Right? It's, it's, it's important to know that, that God speaks to us about our family. God speaks to us about our business. God speaks to us about our relationships. And he speaks to us about things that are going to happen. Are you with me? God's going to speak to you as parents about your children. He's going to tell you what they're going to become. He's going to tell you how he made them. He's going to tell you what they're there for. Come on, somebody. He's going to tell you something about your marriage. He's going to tell you something about your business. If what? If you'll pray. Part of praying is listening. Right? God spoke to the future. He knows our future. I mean, no wonder why the king is uneasy. So let's watch how Daniel interprets the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 38. You getting something yet? He says this. He says, you are this, this head of gold on the top of the statue. He's talking to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're this head of gold on top of the statue. He says, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. 
Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And a fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. He's the greatest king on the planet. He's the most powerful man on the planet. The Babylonian empire is represented as that head of gold. Then then he says there's there's a kingdom coming or an empire coming after you that is not going to be as strong as you. They're going to be silver. You follow this? You see how God's laying it out? Then one's going to come after that who is bronze, or even weaker or lesser metal. And then one's coming after that who is of iron and clay. So let's look for a second at what that means. And remember, this is 300 years before the Greek empire. So don't tell me that God doesn't know the future. You see, flip over your, your, your notes and you should see a chart on the back if you're already there. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is an overview of what the kingdoms look like. So you see, you've got the kingdom of Babylon. They existed from 605 to 539 BC. And the material that they were represented in was gold. Now from Daniel chapter 7, God gives Daniel a vision in chapter 7 that goes along with this dream. But God puts in its place animals. So Babylon represents the gold in the image. And then in Daniel chapter 7, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, represents the winged lion. Then the Medo-Persian Empire comes in next from 539 to 331 before Christ. And and they're represented as silver and a bear. You see in this? And then Greece comes in from 331 to 146. They're represented as bronze and a leopard. And then Rome comes in in 146 B.C. to 400 A.D. And they're represented as iron and clay and a cruel beast. So the, the first empire is Babylon. The second one is the Medo-Persian. The third one is Greece. And the fourth one is Rome. You getting this? A little bit of education. Just stick with me. And then the stone is represented as the kingdom, the kingdom of God. You see, the stone that was taken out and destroyed all the other kingdoms is the kingdom of God. The stone came in at Jesus' birth. Jesus was born during the Roman Empire. Right? So that's when Jesus lands on the planet and starts taking over and building his kingdom. And what did the Bible say about that last stone? It said, And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Wow. It's God's kingdom. So what happened to this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's a pagan king. He worships false gods. He, he bows down to funky images. Okay. He, he does all these crazy things. He eats sacrificial food. He goes to sleep one night and God speaks to him in a dream. And then God brings in this guy, Daniel, this boy that's 15 years old in the midst of all this chaos. He's about to kill three, four hundred people because they can't tell him the dream or the interpretation. And God brings in Daniel and Daniel says, give me a minute and let me pray. 
And Daniel goes and he prays and he asks God and he seeks God's face and he comes back. And not only does he tell the king his dream. Imagine this for a minute. Daniel walks in and says, King, I'm going to tell you your dream. (laughs) Okay. And he starts telling him the dream. Imagine what Nebuchadnezzar felt like. Oh, God. Well, he probably said, oh, God, maybe it was something else. <laughs> wow. Man. Cool. Wow. Now, I would imagine Daniel wanted to just tell him what the dream was and then leave. He didn't want to tell him that he was about to get destroyed. His kingdom wasn't going to last forever. But that's what Daniel had to end up saying when he gave the interpretation. He basically said to the king that you're going to last for a little while and you are the greatest king so far, but you're only going to last a little while. There's somebody coming after you. I'd have been a little nervous, right? So Daniel just reads his mail given to him by God. You see what's happening? I wonder what would have happened if Daniel would have stayed bitter. I wonder what would have happened if Daniel would have stayed wrapped up in his circumstance. Boudin about his future he lost. Never get to see his parents again. Never get to finish Jerusalem High School. Or go to Jerusalem College. He now has to enroll in Babylon, the college or university of Babylon. Where they're trying to teach him how to rethink. Imagine if he would have just stayed in his circumstance and in his situation, just wrapped up and consumed with that thing. Because you know that's what we do, right? You know that's, that's the easy tendency that we all have. That's what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to keep stirring it up. Oh, they did this and they did that. And every time somebody says something that even gets close to what you went through, oh, yeah, and I went through this. And the people around you going, God, I wish they would build a bridge and get over it. But the problem is that most people don't know how to get over it. Right? That's why we have the Bible. The Bible tells us how to get over it. The Bible tells us how to get healed from it. What did Daniel do? He brought his pain and his sorrow and his loss. He brought it to God and put it at his feet and said, God, I trust you. I don't like this. It don't feel good. But whatever's going on, I trust you. I don't understand. I can't figure it out. I trust you. And I'm leaving it with you. (laughs) You see, I've been guilty of going and placing things at Jesus' feet. And say, here you go, God, I give it to you tears. Oh, God, I give you my problems. Oh, God. And as soon as I dry my eyes, I go, okay, I can take it now. I got it. You ever do that? I got this, Lord. I'll just be there when I need you. I believe because Daniel had convictions that he was committed to long before the invasion came, he had the courage to stand in the midst of a dark culture and be the light in the dark situation. Amen. I believe he knew that he could walk with confidence and that God was with him and that no matter what man did to him, they couldn't take what God had given him. Come on, somebody. These are the days that we got to stand in now where the world around you is changing and the reporters want to know what you think about this and that. Well, where do you stand on this and where do you stand on that? Are you ready to give those answers?
Are you confident and full of courage to answer somebody when they start coming at you on what you believe about this and what you believe about that? Where are you at today? Are you going to sit there and stumble and bumble and not know what to say? Not know how to respond? You know, the Bible says that you need to always be ready to give an account for the hope that is inside of you. In other words, you need to always be ready to tell somebody that there's a God in heaven. To tell somebody that Jesus changed my life. Right? You may not be able to give them word for word scripture. And you need to work on that, but that's okay. But you can tell them what Jesus did in your life. And yet they can't argue with that. They cannot argue with what Jesus has done in your life. Amen. In Matthew 21, it says this, going back to the stone, it says this, you have never, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is, it is his, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the cornerstone for the kingdom that's coming. Amen. It's being built on the cornerstone called Jesus. Right. What should our lives be built on? Jesus. Right. Not on man-made things, but on Christ-made things. You're, the, key, the chief cornerstone of your life needs to be Jesus because there's a storm coming that's going to test your foundation. I said, there's a storm coming that's going to test your foundation. And you're going to know one day you're going to say, oh, shoot. When you see a storm coming, when you see the dust clouds coming in the distance, you might have to say, oh, shoot, is my foundation good? Is it going to hold? All I'm doing today is to tell you that there's a storm coming and you need to be ready. You heard me? You need to be ready. You need to engage this culture that's changing. If there's sinners around you, if there's people that are trying to push their agenda, push their agenda aside and love them. Come on. Don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. Right? Tell people about Jesus and let Jesus clean them up. Right? You don't need to go around telling people what they are because they already know. The devil's telling them every day. Right? You just need to tell them where hope is found. You need to tell them where their hope can be made. You need to tell them what their life can be built on. You need to tell them that there's a greater life than this. Right? You need to give, a, a, you need to give an explanation for the hope that is inside of you. You need to be ready. For any moment, be ready. Be ready to tell somebody where your hope is found. I believe we're going to see more of this next section of the chapter in the days to come. Watch this between verse 46 and 48. I just believe we're going to see more of this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. You know what that means, prostrate? He's just laid out. Ain't no kind of bend down before him. I mean, he's like on his face. That's what that means. He's laid out. Before Daniel. This is the greatest king on the earth, by the way. Prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods. 
Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted, you need to underline that, underline that. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. How did he get the promotion? I don't imagine now that the rest of the hundreds of astrologers and all those guys are going, how in the heck this guy gets promoted? He's not even a Babylonian. You see, you need to stand for Christ in your situation and in your world so that God can promote you so that it'll make the people around you start asking questions about how you got there. Come on. Instead of just seeing you there suffering with everybody else, booting with everybody else, come on, complaining. Oh, that boss, if that boss will get out the way, I can do this. They need to see you rise up out of, the net, out of that circumstance and make a stand for God and let God promote you. So they'll start asking questions. There's a day coming when the kings around you are going to fall at your feet. Why are they going to fall at your feet? Because of God inside of you. Because of God flowing out of you. Because you didn't back down and run from the culture. You didn't surrender and compromise your convictions. Just simply because you made a stand on God's word. And you said, I'm not moving. And I'm going to love everybody that comes in front of me. Right? And God's going to promote you. He's going to give you wisdom beyond your years. Come on, somebody. He's going to give you wisdom Beyond your years, the old people around you are going to start saying, well, how in the heck he got here, almost cussed, how in the heck he got here, because I, I was, you know, I was interpreting an old <clears throat> King James, that was King James, straight King James right there, just every once in a while it comes out, stop laughing at me. But the people around you are going to want to know how you got to where you are. At your age. How'd you get here? How'd you do that? What makes you think you're so special? And that's when you're ready. And you just go, I'm not special. In my own strength and in my own power, I'm not special. But in God's eyes, I'm special. Because he's my father and I've given him my life. And I trust him with it. And I'm just letting him take control because I've messed it up for too long. Now, you knew me, right? You knew me before Jesus. Now, you know me after Jesus. You tell me why I'm so special. Amen? So there's a day coming when kings are going to bow down at the Jesus they see inside of you. You know, all hell fears a man or woman that's not afraid to pray. They're not afraid to pray. I love it when people, I go up and they'll, they'll ask me, because I'm not one of these religious guys that always says everything's fine. <laughs> Some days you may ask, man, how you doing, man of God? Ain't good. I'm just going to be, it ain't good. Well, what's wrong? My goats ran away. <laughs> well, let me pray for you goats. That's what Pastor Bubba did to me the other day. He just he called me, man of God, you doing all right? I said, nope, I ain't doing good. What's wrong? I said, $500 in goats just ran out the fence. Gone. 
And he goes, well, let's pray for your goats. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't even pray for my goats. I was just still mad. <laughs> pray for my goats. My goats are coming back. But all hell, hell fears a man or a woman that's not afraid to pray. God raised Daniel up in the middle of a godless culture. And God will do the same for you today. Amen. You get something out of that today? It doesn't matter what happens around you. What matters is what's going on inside of you. Right? The world can get as dark as it wants to get. God's battery never runs out. He always provides light. Amen? He always provides light. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the times that are coming. Don't be discouraged. You need to be encouraged because some of your greatest ministries op- ministry opportunities are starting tomorrow. Some of the greatest moves of God are starting tomorrow. The miracles we've been longing to see that we wanted to see inside the church walls, let me tell you something, they're about to happen outside the church wall. You're going to see miracles at the workplace, miracles at the grocery store. Amen. You're going to see miracles. You need to be encouraged by that. And you just need to simply be ready. What does that mean? You just dig deeper in your relationship with Jesus. That means you read his word and you know his word because this is what you're going to have to stand on. One day they might take this away from us. But they can't take it away if it's right here. Right? The Bible says, how, do, how does a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because when it's hidden in here, nobody can take it. I'm going to quit right there. Second closing. Let me pray for you this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the times we live in. Lord, I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm actually excited. Thank you that there's days coming, Lord, where we're going to see you move like we've never seen you move before. Thank you, Lord, that there's opportunities coming around the corner for us to share Jesus and to pour out love on a lost and dying world, Father. And, Lord, we're going to walk around like beacons of light and life. And, Father, we're going to be able to touch people's lives and insert your life into their lives. And, Father, see them change. Lord, help us to be a church that is ready, a church that is unafraid, a church that is excited about the times we live in. Lord, protect us. Look over us. Use us like you used Daniel, Lord to change the world around us, to see the impossible happen. Father, give us wisdom beyond our years and beyond our educations. Lord, give us your power to use on this planet like it's never been seen before. Father, do something incredible in each of our worlds, Lord. That realm of influence that we all have, do something incredible. Begin to stir up questions. Begin to stir up people's hearts, Lord. Begin to help people to start asking questions of why. Why are things getting dark? Why are things getting scary? Why are you not afraid? Why are you so full of joy? So that, Father, we can answer those questions. Give us the answer to the world's question today. Give us the answer, Lord. 
I pray for those moments when people come and they're broken, they're beaten, the world system has failed them. Every, every wise thing they ever had around them has failed them. Give us the words to say. Give us the heart to love. Help us to engage this culture with love. Hating the sin, but loving the sinner. So, Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for these times. I thank you for these people in this church. I thank you for your body, the church, the believers. I pray that a holy courage will rise up. A boldness that we've never known before, Lord. Stir up the passion inside of us to reach the lost. The only way to change this world is with your love, Lord. So help us to change it. 